Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good to see all of you. Um, it's been a couple of months since I've been at a first service, so um, just so you know, my name's Doug, and I'm one of the pastors here at Seacoast. And um, filling in for Tim today, uh, Tim and Karen are celebrating her 29th birthday, I think. And um, then they're heading off to Florida to uh, a vineyard leadership conference um, with some of the leaders of the vineyard. So uh, we wish them well on their way. So this morning, we're going to be kicking off a two-part series called Mended. Mended. Uh, It's no surprise to any of us that the world is a broken place, right? A lot of bad stuff going on around there, a lot of bad juju, but... As people of faith, we believe that God has been about the work of mending what was broken since the day that it broke, right? We believe that. And so what do we do when life just doesn't go the way we think it should? What do we do when our dreams are shattered and our hopes are dashed? When life just took a turn for the worse and you're like, how in the world did I end up here? Has anybody ever had that moment? Oh, yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Who here has ever heard the name Charlotte Drury? Just by a show of hands, Charlotte Drury, anybody? I didn't think so. No one knows her name. Uh, and there's a reason for that. She was a gymnast who, cha- who trained seven years to be in the Olympics. Uh, she wanted to go to Rio. She was the top athlete to represent the U.S. in trampoline stuff. And one day when she was warming up for the thousandth time, uh, she landed wrong and she broke her ankle. And my alarm went off to let me know to wake up. Um, Hang on a second. Let me turn that off. All right. We're good. So, uh, poor Charlotte Drury. She's training for the Olympics. Uh, She's getting ready. She breaks her ankle. She's sitting there in the hospital room, and her mom comes in and says, Honey, I just talked to the doctor, and it looks like you're not going to Rio. Seven years of training in an instant. Dreams shattered, hopes dashed. It's that one day when it all changed. Now, just uh, think in your mind now, I think we've all had that one day when. That one day when I just wish things went a different way. That one day when, when, when I wish it just didn't go that way. But uh, the one day when the test came back positive, the one day when uh, I realized my children or my grandchildren uh, don't necessarily follow Jesus, that one day when I realized I'm probably going to be getting a divorce, that one day when I realized I got passed up for that promotion, there are so many one day wins that honestly, I could get really dark super quick in here if I just went through all the terrible things that happened on that one day when. But you all know your story. You all know where you've been. And so as we continue through this message this morning, I want you to kind of think back, think a little critically about your life and go, yeah, I've totally got that one day when I wish things went differently. Because that's what we're going to kind of address this morning. So today we're going to look at the life of Job. Now, Job had a one day when it all changed, right? Job lost a lot. And so uh, we want to learn from his situation and say, okay, how does God begin to mend the wounds of shattered dreams and dashed hopes? How does God begin to mend the wounds of painful experiences in our lives that we never saw coming? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we just lift up uh, this morning to you, God, and I pray that as we uh, begin to um, just kind of peel back the layer a little bit and look at some uncomfortable and frustrating, painful things in our lives, Lord, that you do what you do best, which is bring comfort bring encouragement to our lives this morning. I pray, Father, that we uh, will be consumed by your Holy Spirit this morning, Lord, that we will be wrapped up in comfort and love in this community. In your name we pray, amen. So starting off in Job 1, kind of setting the scene for you, Satan comes to God and he says, look, Job is only your boy because you take care of him. Like really, Job would, would totally denounce you. If he lost everything, he'd be outie in a second. And God says, all right, man, look, you can't kill him, but I'm going to show you he's a man of faith. And so begins a series of terrible tragedies, horrible things that begin to just strip away all of the earthly blessings that Job has, his wealth, his relationships, and his health. Those are the three most sensitive areas of human existence, right? Like, don't mess with how I make a living, don't mess with my family, and don't mess with how I'm doing on the inside, All right. If you take care of those three things, I'm going to be all right. And then all of a sudden, the rug is pulled out from under him. It's gone. All of his animals die. His servants get killed and then even loses his children. This is a catastrophe of untold proportions. We can't just skip over the details and just say, yeah, that's that old Bible story. This is a horrific event in the life of Job. He has lost everything. One day when tragedy struck, it was all gone. And so I want to ask the question, how do we respond to these tough situations in our lives? I think there are two responses that are valuable as people of faith when dreams are shattered and hopes are dashed. And the first one is, how do we respond when it's somebody else's pain? We're in the church and we believe that we are supposed to be the hands and feet of God. So when somebody in our lives is going through pain, what do we do? Well, I think the first one we look at is Job's friends. All right, Job's friends for the first seven days are like the most amazing people I've ever seen. It's beautiful. It is an absolutely beautiful thing. I'll read it for you. Here we go. Job 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, heard about all the troubles that it came upon him, they set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. And said, oh man, Job's not doing well. We better get over there so we can sympathize and we can bring comfort. Verse 12, when they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, tore their robes, sprinkled dust on their heads. They totally and completely embrace where Job is at. Now you have four people sitting in the dust with their clothes torn and dust on their heads, just completely together in silence. Verse 13 Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word because they saw how great his suffering was. This is what we call the ministry of presence. It's the ministry of presence. Part of how God mends the pain in this world is by you, church. See, if you want to know how to care for your family and friends when they're going through tough times or they're going through pain, you just show up. That's what you do. You just show up. As people of faith, um, we run towards people's pain and discomfort, not away. And so sometimes that looks like bringing a meal to somebody who, who had just gone through a tragedy. Sometimes it's even just a phone call, just a 10-minute phone call that says, hey, I just want to check on you. I want to see how you're doing. How are you feeling today? What's going on? What are you thinking about? 
Sometimes um, it's just being visiting with them and just being silent like Job's friends. That it's not about, um, well, let me back up. It's not about, now we shouldn't underestimate the power of presence. There is great power in just being present in someone's life when they're going through hard times and pain and frustration. See, because what happens is as, as Christians, sometimes we, we want to fill those painful, intense spaces with words um, because we kind of want to make excuses for the way God does things sometimes where we kind of want to say, okay, I've got to get this person out of their pain, so let me just start talking with every scripture I've ever heard in my life and just make it better. But you see, even Jesus, our Lord, who was God in human form, experienced pain. It is not our job to get people out of pain. It's our job, it's our job to be in pain with people. Do you get this? And so, as Job's friends did verse 11, they went to sympathize and bring comfort to him. See, that word comfort, it comes up a lot in the New Testament. Um, it's translated from the word paraclesis, um, which means to come alongside and encourage. Think of somebody coming up to you and putting an arm around you and saying, hey, how you doing? How can I help? What do you need? That's what it means to bring comfort. See, when pain inevitably comes, our best response to the world around us is to engage in the act of comfort. That's what we do. And it's kind of strange how those two can coexist together, that you can bring comfort to someone and yet pain still exists at the same time. See, I was wrestling through this and we were talking a lot about this in Pit Crew, um, just about how do you, what does comfort actually do? And as we began to talk about it and share some life stories and examples, what we came to was that uh, comfort doesn't remove pain. It just somehow makes it more bearable. That when somebody comes alongside you to encourage you and put an arm around you, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make the pain go away. But there's something about knowing that there's an end to the story, that there's an alternate narrative to what's going on in your life. So God begins to mend broken hearts by showing us that there is more to the story See, pain from dashed hopes and shattered dreams does not have the final say in your life. Come on, church. Pain from your shattered dreams and dashed hopes and painful experiences does not have the final say in your life. God does. And so what comfort does is it says, hey, look, there's an end to this road. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to help you get there. And so that's great. That is a great way to respond to the pain and suffering in the lives of others. But what, when it, what about when it's my own? Right? That's a fair question. What do we do when the loss is our own? Sure, we can show up in the lives of others, but what about that internal struggle of the soul? What about those dark nights where you can see your tears collected on the carpet in front of you and you're just like, life is not okay. What do I do then when life just takes a turn? When that one day when comes, my choice is caught up with me. That one day when uh, life just completely made me a victim of circumstance. What then? Well, you see, I love what Job does because he never pretends that the pain isn't real. Job never pretends that the pain isn't there. He never pretends it's better than what it is. Pain, uh, Job is incredibly honest. And at the end of chapter one, he starts praying to the Lord. And this is what he says, naked I came into the world and naked I'm gonna leave. Meaning God, I'm naked now. I got nothing. He is incredibly honest. I have nothing left. I am bare before you, Lord, but it's expressed to God. He goes right to God and says, I got nothing. 
That's true honesty. I think there's something we can learn from that because oftentimes we think that pain and hardship, that shattered dreams and dashed hopes are somehow connected to God's relationship with us. See that, that like life circumstances is how God feels about us when that's not actually true. You see, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, I want you to know something. If you had painful experiences or you're in one now, God is not mad at you and he is not punishing you. Hear me, church. God is not mad at you and he is not punishing you. Your life circumstances, God is above those and with you working through them. God loves you. And so I can remember I was... um, in one of these modes in my life a few weeks ago where I tend to get pretty heavy up in my head and I think a lot about things. Um, it makes me super fun to be around. Um, and so I, uh, I started thinking that, you know, I'm about to be 30 this year and I pretty much just sprinted through my 20s just like making all kinds of decisions and just doing whatever I want. And then all of a sudden I had this moment of like, I think this is what my life's gonna be like for like the next 20 years. Like I felt like I was sprinting and then all of a sudden I'm like hardened in cement and the life that I have right now is it. That all the dreams, all the hopes I had, all the big things, ideas I had all through my 20s are gone. And I began to freak out, okay? I'm saying I got depressed, frustrated, angry. I, again, I was a great person to be around during that time. Um, and I just remember thinking like, this is it. And the depression was so heavy and so bad. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life now? And I remember doing something kind of like that I don't normally do, but I was like, I super need some pastoring right now. So I was like, this, this is wrong. And so I, I called Tim and I said, hey, man, I just need a couple minutes. And so we talked and uh, he asked a lot of questions and he just kind of said, you know, wanted to know what was going on with me, where my headspace was at and uh, did a lot of listening. And then at the end of it, he said, Doug, I got to tell you, man, your story is not over yet. God's not done with you yet. God has great plans for your life. It may not seem that way right now. It may seem like it's pretty dark and dank down there in the caves of your own brain, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I've seen what God's gonna do with your life. You are gonna be all right. And I remember thinking to myself, man, that was like one of the most encouraging things I ever could have heard. Uh, Did it make me immediately all of a sudden like, oh man, I was like, I'm great. I'm not depressed anymore. No, I was still pretty, I was still pretty sad and, and frustrated. But there was something about hearing the alternative narrative to my own story. Sometimes all it takes is a friend to just come along and say, look, that story you're telling yourself isn't the real story. God has more for you. God has promised more for your life. And so, This morning, we've talked a lot about like that one day when it all went wrong. That one day when it just didn't work out the way we wished it would. That one day when I wish God had kind of intervened and did something differently. But here's the thing. My favorite one day when is one day when God makes good on his promises. Come on, church. One day when God makes good on his promises, God is not a liar. He has never been a liar and he has never broken any of his promises he has ever made to his children. And so when we read Revelation 21, four, this is what he says. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Pain does not trump his promises. I'm going to say that again. Say it with me, church. Pain does not trump his promises. One more time. Pain does not trump his promises. Some of you need to hear that this morning. 
that when we go through those life's trials and tribulations, when stuff comes at us that just does not make sense, yes, it's painful. As Christians, we feel the pain just like everybody else, and that's okay. But as Christians, we remember that there is more to the story, that pain does not have the final say in our lives. And so we look to God to one day make good on his promises and fix all this once and for all. And what I love about Job is at the end of chapter 19, he's praying and he says, as for me, I know that my redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet my flesh, I shall see God, whom I, have, whom I, my, I myself shall behold and whom my eyes will see and know my heart faints within me. He says, I am going to see God in person one day. He has lost everything. Job is flat out naked before the Lord, has nothing in his life. And he says, I'm going to see you one day. I'm going to see you in person, in my flesh, face to face. I'm going to see God. And he says, oh, my heart faints within me. He's like, I'm so excited that I'm going to get to see God one day. When God makes good on his promises, all of this goes away. And so... Um, we're, uh, we're going to close here, and there's a couple things I want to go over with you as we get ready to finish here. Um, if you've never experienced that moment where you're like, okay, there's going to be hope. If you've never experienced that moment where you've gone through a lot of tough stuff, but you're like, I don't, I've never really had hope. I've just kind of gotten through and, and, and just kind of gotten colder along the way, but I've never really uh, experienced that hope that, that, that can be found in God. Then uh, we're going to go through one more worship song, and I would encourage you that uh, the prayer team's going to be in the back of the room. Don't miss the opportunity to go over and get some prayer. Don't miss the opportunity to have somebody say, hey, I'm going to bring some comfort to you right now. I'm going to put an arm around you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to remind you that there is a bigger story going on. And so if you've never had that hope before because you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then, then go to the back and get prayer and receive Christ. Receive the comfort that there is hope beyond your situation. And then secondly, if you're in a place of pain and you do love Jesus and you just need to be reminded that, man, we have a God who loves us, who cares about us, and has never once broken his promise, I want to be back there as well. Get some prayer. Don't walk out of here without being reminded that we have a good God who cares about us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just ask that your Holy Spirit move during this time, Father God, that you will begin to show us uh, just how comforting and how good you really are. Um, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.